0: Welcome back. You're listening to This Week with Justin McCarthy and Carol Coleman. The number of staff working on processing asylum appeals fell by 8% between 2019 and last year, despite a huge surge in applications and a backlog of hundreds of cases. Figures obtained by this programme from the Department of Justice show that there are currently 850 appeals cases pending before the International Protection Appeals Tribunal. However, there are just 46 full-time staff working with the tribunal and only 42 part-time staff who are not always available to hear cases. Yesterday, the Minister for Justice, Simon Harris, said the government would accelerate the decision-making process whereby a person seeking international protection is either granted leave to stay or is served with a deportation order. We're joined in studio now by Katie Mannion who's Managing Solicitor with the Irish Refugee Council and has a lot of experience in dealing with applicants in these cases. Katie, uh, good afternoon. Welcome to the programme.
1: Good
0: afternoon. Um, We've seen this this huge surge in applications for international protection in Ireland, uh, jumping from just shy of 5,000 applicants in 2019 to almost 14,000 last year. Are there enough staff working in the International Protection Office uh, to process all of these applications in a timely manner?
1: I think both the International Protection Office and the Tribunal need more staff and both organisations have called for extra resources to meet the increased demands on them. Um, I suppose it's important to notice or to acknowledge also that the rise in numbers of international protections in, in Ireland is the same across Europe. So that rise has been across the European Union in other countries as well
0: the figures we have they show that staff working at the the appeals tribunal um, that's part of the system which hears the cases of people who may have been refused leave to remain in the country and who are appealing that decision the staff there actually fell by 8% uh, compared with uh, last year compared with 2019 and we know that there's been a huge a surge in, in cases uh, coming down the track. So um, how much of a problem is that going to be for the, the tribunal, for the appeals process in the months ahead?
1: Well, it is envisaged that it will be a problem at the moment. We've seen delays our uh, interviews have been, ske- or, excuse me, tribunals have been scheduled after maybe four months. But we would imagine that over time, with the increased number at the International Protection Office, waiting for 14,000 issues to be de- decided there, particularly if many of those are subject to a fast-tracked procedure, it's quite likely that many more of those will be, de- will be decided in the negative and they will need to be appealed on the refugee status and subsidiary protection. And that there will be a higher number at yes. the tribunal
0: so more more refusals will mean more appeals, and because we have a lot more applicants, there's more work coming down the tracks for for, for those people and exactly. um, we heard Minister Simon Harris say yesterday that the government will speed up the decision making process um, there, there has already been an acceleration of that process in in December uh, what What changes have taken place?
1: So one big change is that uh, previously international protection applicants were given a number of weeks to access legal advice and then to complete a questionnaire in detail about their individual application. Now they're asked to do that on the same day in English. Previously they could do it in their own language and that... The reason behind that is to get rid of those interpretation and translation um, requirements, but we're really concerned about that step. Another change has been in respect of specific countries. So some countries are designated by Ireland to be safe countries they're um, subject to a much faster process where, whereby the day they apply for international protection they will be given a date for their interview immediately and that could be as short as two to four weeks' time and they may not be able to access legal advice within that time.
0: And not being able to access legal advice, what impact does that have on an applicant for asylum in this country?
1: It means they may not fully understand what the legal definition of a refugee is before they complete their form. They may not not understand the process fully and they may not have an opportunity to set out in full um, their complete story and the aspects of their story, the whole chaos and um, detail of their lives. It's very difficult to distill that down to what's relevant to the definition of a refugee under international law if you don't have an explanation of what is relevant to that definition.
0: And if you're asking these people then to complete that form on arrival here on the day they, they arrive, uh, perhaps they've come through a, a long journey and a traumatic experience, um, what impact w- w- will that would that have on th- those people then?
1: Exactly. It is likely that people may not complete all the details that they should complete in the questionnaire. They may make some mistakes just because of exhaustion, because of the trauma they've experienced, because they haven't had an opportunity to recover from the trauma or even from the influence of smugglers along the way. They may have their children with them at the International Protection Office. They may be worried about confidentiality because they're completing this questionnaire with an interpreter in an open space with others around them. And that may influence what information they feel they're able to Able to provide.
0: So what are your concerns then about the Minister when he says that they're going to speed up the process? What what effect will all of that have or what concerns to, does the Irish Refugee Council have about that?
1: We're very concerned that the effect of that will be that people will not have an effective response um, ability to access legal advice, early legal advice, which time and time again has been shown to be extremely important to get everything right from the process, to have full consideration of a person's claim, um, to re- and which in time reduces the number of appeals and um, to get things right from the start. And we're worried that it will that will be impacted.
0: We've heard calls from people like Senator Michael McDoole, former Attorney General, former Minister for Justice, And other people uh, who say that people who destroy their travel documents uh, before they arrive in in the country, uh, that those people should be deported straight away. What what would you say about the reasons why people destroy their travel documents?
1: Very many people may not be able to travel with their own travel documents from the very beginning. Lots of people don't have a passport. For example, if you're a 17-year-old in Somalia, you're unlikely to have a passport at the time when Al-Shabaab comes and you have to flee quickly without getting that. So practically people don't have them. Lots of people are at risk and cannot go to the state to ask for a passport. Um, For example, if you're um, a Christian convert in Iran, you can't approach the state for a passport. For example, in Afghanistan, the passport office was closed down for months. People just couldn't get passports and had to flee. That is the reality of the situation of persecution that people are fleeing. And they can't, they do not, it's just not possible for them to obtain a passport. So in those circumstances, and because of the absence of safe legal um, pathways to to Ireland and to other countries, people resort to smugglers and have no no um, choice but in fleeing persecution to ask smugglers to assist them. There aren't safe, there aren't visa channels that they can access because they're refused visa visa applications, so they have to go through those routes. Smugglers then will organise a passport, often a false passport for somebody to travel on, and they do that in desperation. So often it is not that somebody travelled, somebody has destroyed their passport. It may be that a smuggler was holding the passport at all times and was and it was returned to them and, and the smuggler has left, the person having paid a lot of money for that.
0: Katie Mannion, Managing Solicitor with the Irish Refugee Council, thank you for talking to us today. And we'll be discussing the state's response to far-right extremism later in the programme.